if you are yourself and treat, treat people with respect and, and people are not that different, right? And they all have the same good intent in many in many occasions and places. And you can enjoy being anywhere. I mean, they say home is where your heart is, right? And that's very true. Once you adapt to certain basic cultural things, people are not that, that different. This is Living As You. Here's your host, P.Q. Today, I'm Living As You. I'm excited to share a conversation with former Nike Global VP General Manager, professional tennis player, and current consultant, Carlos Amedes. A father of three and champion of living a rich, diverse, and global lifestyle, Carlos continues to bring a consistent humility into the lives of every single person he touches. We talk world travel, the mark of a champion, and the power of vulnerability. Enjoy. There you are. <laughs> Carlos, it's so good to see you. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a long time, It's Patrick. been a long time. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? Where are you? I'm in, I'm in our house. This is our main oh. cave. We, we, we just kind of turned our garage into a, kind of a place wow. to and got some fun, fun memorabilia up there. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> are you in Barcelona or Portland? No, no, no. We, we came back at the beginning of October okay. with, with Carla and Simon, uh, but we did spend three months there because the... First of all, we were supposed to come late August for Simone's graduation in early September. And once that got canceled and it was just online, we extended our stay initially just a little bit. And then things in Portland with the, the fires and the demonstrations downtown, we said, hey, we'll just stay here. It's just so good to see you. <laughs> I said, thanks for the, for the invite, Patrick. I'm super honored to do it. When I saw your initiative, I, said, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Thank really you. very um, entrepreneurial and courageous from your side. I think it's, it's, it'll well, definitely pay if off. If this means I get to talk to you and get to learn more about you, Carlos, seriously. <laughs> Come on. Share, share more. I can learn from you. I'll learn from you in this conversation. <laughs> We're both learning. I, I started last year as a way of, I love, so I love conversation and I love people. And I just would see at Notre Dame for, for three years, so many people like who are, high achievers and doing great things, but everyone mm -hmm. was struggling. And, no, and everyone felt like they couldn't share that struggle, that they were weak, really? they were ooh. And my thing was, I was having these conversations every day that people were open to share with me in the trusting environment. Hey, you know what, I'm going mm -hmm. through something. And so finally I said like, I, it just, it was making me so sad and, and really honestly motivating me to say, what can I do with the things mm -hmm. in my life that give me life and joy? And how can I maybe make even one person in this world feel a little less alone? And so it's kind of evolved from a couple of my, me sharing stories mm -hmm. to now I'm trying to, uh, people in my mm. life who inspire me like you. Great, great. I'm trying to have you share your story and maybe that'll touch one person's life. And I believe in mm -hmm. the ripple effect. Maybe I can help people. So thank you. Thanks for being great. here. Great. If you're ready, I'd love to start things off with the concept of tennis and particularly your time at LSU and then playing a little bit mm -hmm. on the pro tour. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned from playing <laughs> tennis at such a high level? Yeah. Yes. I think I always think of my time with tennis um, as a little bit of a school of life because I, I started playing very young when I was eight or 10 years old. And all of a sudden I was involved in competition at all age groups. Um, but I always had in mind that I wanted to have an education. And, and in Spain, some of my peers um, at certain age, especially at, at the 17, 18, they had already decided that they wanted to play pro, which I never had that, <clears throat> that in mind. And, and I wanted to, to pursue, uh, like I said, an education. So in Spain at the time, that was totally impossible. You either decided to go to university and, and quit competing 
or just play professional. So I knew that in the U.S. at the time, and I'm talking like early 80s, right? Uh, this has evolved a lot. Um, the U.S. had the, the opportunity of um, combining academics with competing at a very high level. And there were very few international players at the time, but they, they had coaches scouting internationally. And I was offered, I played the Orange Bowl in, in Miami at 18, and there were lots of coaches. And I was offered that, the, the opportunity to go to LSU. And that was a life changer. But I think that from, in many ways, I say it's a school of life. And regardless of LSU, which we'll talk a little bit, I, I had already experienced so many different things with, with tennis and sport that I feel uh, now going back, they reflect who I was and I am as a person because a lot of the struggles or, or good experiences that you see on the court, it's interesting that somehow you see them on uh, whether it's at work or in, in just real life and it helps you to, to get to know you a little bit better. And there were so many things in, uh, in tennis and then going into LSU that I, I look back and say, wow, I was so blessed of having gone through all those experiences. And I think if I had to summarize some of them, Probably the the adversity, overcoming adversity. All of a sudden, in tennis, you're by yourself very much. It's it's a sometimes it's a great team sport, and that's what college brought, right? But overcoming adversity, understanding how to manage pressure in a in a positive way, um, the culture of of having the discipline and the work ethic to to persevere and continue training and and overcoming some. When, they, when, when, when you get beaten badly, all those things are very much real, right? And then you have the team part. So learning how to work within a team environment and, and looking after each other and collaborating, that's huge at work, right? And you see uh, maybe some people that haven't experienced that, it, it, it's a little bit harder for them to, to understand it or, or implement it. So yes, uh, tennis was, a, I think, a blessing from a, from a personal development, I would say. Mm -hmm. Are there any moments or matches in particular that come to mind when you think about um, your time as a junior tennis player or your time at LSU that really shaped how you go about dealing with adversity today and in your, in your career at Nike? Let me think. I say the good, the bad, and the ugly maybe, right? When I was 14, I was national champion in Spain. And that was like a big deal. Oh, he's going to be an ex-pro, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, they put all the, this expectation and pressure on you. And I remember going into 15, struggling. I, I, could, I, I didn't enjoy the game anymore. And, um, and for a few months, I was, I was quite kind of, say, demotivated and, and down on myself. But I was not able to express it and just kept it to myself very much, right? So that was a down moment that I, looking back, I say, why was not I, I wish I had been more vulnerable and, and reached out asking more for help versus keeping it to yourself. And there was not so much coaching at the time. You were more on your own. So that was not a, uh, that was a good moment. That was a good learning experience. But then again, through maybe hard work and putting hours and trying to believe in yourself, uh, I managed to get through and I enjoyed it from, from, I think in my junior's time, 17 and 18. I played the nationals uh, of 18. I think the runner-up uh, match, I felt in the zone. I remember that match playing so loose and really uh, enjoying it. Uh, I still lost. Uh, five in the third, but <laughs> I felt really, really good how I, how I performed. That was a good highlight to leave my, my junior career. And then at LSU, I remember conference matches and when you, you had to be, um, how do they call that, the last match that you, you clinched, right? Clinches were always amazing feeling and the team all over you. So many different experiences of highs and lows uh, for sure commonalities in different experiences, yeah. I, I want to go back, Carlos, to the point that you made earlier when I think you said you were 14 and you're in Spain and you're a national champion and you're playing great. You're probably just loving the game and you're learning all these lessons. But with success or societal success, 
sometimes comes expectation from this outside world of people, family, friends. And it's easy for any of us, whether it's on the tennis court, whether it's in a job, to start internalizing that. I know I've struggled with that when I do something I'm proud about. People begin to look at you in a different way. And so when you're reflecting on that experience, you talked about now looking back and saying, wow, like in those moments, a way that I'm not going to succumb to that pressure is by being more vulnerable and by Mm -hmm. being more open with people. Can you talk about how that, that journey with kind of putting those blinders on and not letting that outside force, that outside expectation, um, how you've been able to really navigate that in your life? Because that's hard. Yeah, and I think the the biggest learning that has helped me to navigate through um, that has been at, at work in my professional career. And I, and I look at always being very uh, dedicated and putting a lot of hard work, but also trying to learn from from that. And I, and I think one one um, turning point for me was moving into a general management position. And I remember um, going in as a peer from my. Um, the leadership thing that I had to being actually the the head of the team, and that was uh, interesting because my predecessor was a totally different style than I had. Was very successful in some areas, not so much in others. But I, somehow initially I wanted to kind of follow that leadership style, and then I realized that uh, that wasn't taking me anywhere until I I understood that I had to be more myself and and really find my style and, and, and be proud of it and implement it. And that was not easy, but it was, it, it was the key to liberating myself and, and being all of a sudden more authentic, right? And that took being very vulnerable with, with the team, with yourself, and just taking some of the pressure off and admitting that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be the expert in all the fields. That's why you, you rely on your team. And I think that, that I'm talking many years ago, huh? but that was a, a great learning that I, all of a sudden I felt like I took some the monkey off my back and I could enjoy much more the day-to-day. It's easy to say, and that's so hard. I mean, the day-to-day is still very challenging. Sometimes you feel pressure and you, you, you wear a little bit of a mask, but taking the mask off and trying to be yourself and lead from your heart and, and, and a very genuine, it just it was so powerful and people really i think appreciated it and, and and probably respect and follow you more but the key is that vulnerability and and trying not to imitate anybody's else's style and just being being yourself huh? living like you like you say on your <laughs> that's that was that's my... why i was that's that's why that resonated so much and i and i feel very attracted to your the title of your of your journey it's it's very real it's so very easy to say very difficult to implement but very powerful when you do so right and what i found is number one it's like we have this big hurdle that this like it's like this big hill we're running up a mountain we're playing the number one tennis player in the world and it's like a battle that we have to face and we're not alone in facing it that desire to be authentic and to be ourselves. but when you get to the top of that hill when you've tapped into the courage and the confidence this has been my experience mm-hmm. you, as you just mentioned carlos you feel so free you feel like you mm-hmm. can that doesn't mean life is a bunch of dandelions and uh mm-hmm. snowflakes but you feel like you can battle the adversity so much more freely and it, it yeah. mm-hmm. i can't tell you how amazing it feels to look at someone and not not feel the, the slightest bit of, oh, I'm hiding anything from anyone. I can just be me. And if someone doesn't like me for who I am, I just say, thanks, thanks for coming to the party, but have a good day. If I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay. That's yeah. okay. What, what allowed you to tap into that courage to be authentic? Because a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Well, I think it takes lots of practice as well, right? And again, it's a journey. You're never there because there's always pressure. You have your egos, uh, which is human nature. And there's also a little bit of culture, and not just here in the U.S., I think, of like winners and losers. And that puts a lot of pressure of coming across as uh, having a, a developmental area or a weakness. You, you can feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. It's going to 
diminish your career. But once you understand that that's not necessarily the case, I think that's what that's the moment that you start feeling more comfortable acting in a more genuine manner. And you see it. I mean, you see it with people and just the the way people embrace it or react and the comments, the results. There's no question about it. Can you tell me about your journey across the globe? And obviously through tennis, that brought you to Nike, which brought you to getting to experience the world in a way that very few on this earth get to. Um, You've been able to lead so many people authentically in countries like Holland, Spain, US, Mexico, um, all over Brazil. Yeah. Uh, can you touch upon that? Those some of these experiences and in, in moments that have contributed to you living more authentically as yourself. Yeah, yeah, uh, super grateful because I was able to live uh, this this career of of sport and then get an education in the in the U.S. Um, college environment. And I think actually my jobs I had two two roles before Nike were also relatively sports related were because of my experience with sports uh, as well, right? And then having lived overseas at an early age, it opened up my mind. And I I noticed in my team, I had people from Australia, obviously the US, but Philippines, great memories. And you you get to feel the power of diversity with nationalities and cultures. And ultimately everybody's very similar in some basic values and things that you you would be surprised if you were not experiencing living with so many different nationalities, right? So that took me to be very open-minded. And even when I started with Nike in Spain, I was always curious and open to working internationally. And I was offered that opportunity. I got into that wheel of international uh, experiences and I moved to the U.S. with Nike um, at a very early age in my career, I was with Nike 26 years. And after two years in Spain, I moved to Portland for a couple of years. One of the best experiences working in Nike tennis with Mr. Jerry Quinn as well. He can tell you that was the best memories. We had great leaders, an amazing team. It, it was, a, I think, a reflection in many ways of what, would you, what we're talking about. There was a lot of genuine people and a very healthy environment. Uh, and that was a couple of years. And then I went to Amsterdam a couple of years, and then I went back to Spain for 10 years, um, did all kinds of different roles. And you try to live the moment because I didn't really have any more international plan. Towards the, the end of those 10 years, I was the GM for Spain, and I didn't have any more opportunities to grow within Spain. And as I remember having the conversation with the, with the boys and Carla. They're, okay, if I mean, my time as, as a GM probably is going to come soon uh, would you guys be open to move international the u.s uh, there was an opportunity otherwise i'll just look for something within spain and there was a family meeting i remember we had with the boys quite young and everybody was super uh, supportive and that was a life-changing decision because we moved 10 years ago and we knew that potentially from then on we would be citizens of the world as, as, as we think we are, because the boys are, uh, we all now dual citizenship, uh, Spanish and American, and, and we feel this is home, and we feel Spain is home, and it's kind of a, a challenging, um, good problem to have, but uh, that's, that's the power, I think, of, of the global civilization that we're in, and that's what's become so sad when you see all these, uh, you know, interest and tension of separation and and it's just going against the the way the world should be going and people are very much the same uh, regardless of cultural things uh, anywhere in the world and uh, so i don't know if we deviated from your question but that was the the global experience to me came up with you know experiencing it in, in, in at lsu and then at work we had people from so many countries and and that was that's how that's what, how i that that's where i enjoy being the most in diverse environments because it's just so powerful and, 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 and you learn and very enriching before i went to angers france studying abroad in in um, in school that was my first mm-hmm. time really okay i was there that's for right. about four and a half months and that was my first kind of eye-opening moment to this world and to the fact that so many people live different lives 
but yet everyone or the people I were meeting, they're so, they have, have achieved such a level of satisfaction and contentness, even if the actual day-to-day life is a little bit different here in the U.S., mm-hmm. Spain and France. And so for you, when you are able to look at the world through the lens of living, having lived in the U.S. for so many years, obviously having uh, lived in Spain for so many years, having dual citizenship, what insights have you gained into the idea that we're actually a lot more similar than people think? Like, what would you tell people who haven't had that experience living in multiple countries and why, in fact, we actually are so similar as opposed to different? Yeah, I mean, there's so many commonalities and there's some basic common things that make you feel sometimes an outsider in certain places, but because of the language and cultural things. But we go back to your, the core of your discussion uh, from our values, from um, families, from, from uh, authenticity. <laughs> if you're yourself and treat, treat people with respect and, and, and people are not that different, right? And they all have the same good intent in many, in many occasions and places. And, you can enjoy being anywhere. I mean, they say home is where your heart is, right? And that's very true. Once you adapt to certain basic cultural things, people are not that that different. Very um, positively surprising. I feel very comfortable very quickly in different places. Can you share, if, if something comes to mind, a particular story from your time in Spain or here, obviously, in Beaverton um, or in Brazil, in which you were able to see whether it was in a meeting with 20 other individuals or you're, you're talking to someone and you realize, you know what, we do have a lot in common. Maybe a story that exemplifies that to, to individuals who have never been in such an enriching environment. Does anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, my experience in Brazil was particularly uh, emotional. And, um, and it was interesting because I was just there for a year and I came in, I didn't really speak the language much, but I made the effort uh, of, uh, learning it and um, and I think people appreciated that and they were so welcoming and, and open about it and, um, and just willing to help and make you making you feel at home and they really wanted you to to enjoy and like their country and always asking you for uh, if they wanted if you needed any help and then on the work side same thing I was I was very comfortable working with the different cultures and people and to the extent that I, I remember leaving with tears in, in my eyes. My last presentation with the, with the organization was I felt very heartfelt connection. And, and likewise, I felt the, the appreciation from, from people that a year ago I was an outsider. And because I made the effort to integrate myself with the culture and just be myself, I guess, it was just a very intense experience. And I, I learned so many things from, from Brazil and their culture that I've taken away with me. And I think I can say that for even outside work, even with, with Carla, my wife, we have great memories, right? So that was just an example, but I, I could apply that to pretty much every place. I, I was briefly in Mexico, same thing. I was with Argentina and same thing. I mean, there's a lot of passion. That's a good word. I think there's a lot of passion everywhere. If you are able to tap into that passion and, and discover a little bit the, the nuances of every country it's fascinating are there thought patterns or things that you do in your life today that you recognize hey you know what I, might, I picked up from my time in brazil or i picked up from my friends in in spain or amsterdam or argentina any any particular things that come to mind that you think about or do on a day-to-day basis that you were able yeah. to learn and glean from these different cultures i think the integration efforts I think just making a conscious effort of getting outside of your comfort zone and just pushing yourself a little bit, whether it's in the language or doing something that they do on a, it's more uh, traditional there, that accelerates, I think, the connection uh, when you're in a different place, for sure. It's very rewarding because you discover new things. And, and I think people feel like you're, you genuinely trying to understand your culture further. So 
my first job was with a Japanese company. And I, same thing. I, I studied Japanese every day, the book. And I remember they, they, they sent me on a, on a kind of like a mini internship to Tokyo. And I could get by in the subway and not because the pronunciation is very similar to the Spanish alphabet. Uh, and they loved when people, when, when you try to speak some sentences and they're super friendly, super friendly to Japanese. It's more difficult to have deep conversations because they're very introverted. And if you talk about the, the, the authenticity side, there's so much pressure to succeed and to follow the rules there that it's, it's challenging. But it's another example. If you go to Japan and try to do a couple of things that they, they, they really enjoy and all that, your experience is completely different. If you just isolate as an American, speaking English all the time and doing watching your American sports and, and not making uh, yourself uh, uh, get out of your, of your little bubble, it's a different experience. I found when I was in France, I think you're totally right, that when you make the effort to genuinely find that connection, or to be interested um, and embrace a, a, a yeah. new culture, people are so grateful because yeah. they recognize that you're truly curious and trying to be authentic and embrace like their home, their heritage. Yeah. And like, that is, I think one of the greatest gifts each of us can give each other yeah. is no matter if whatever country or culture we're in, just making that effort to be more yeah. selfless and empathetic. And another example that comes to my Holland, we went to Holland after Portland in 97. And the Dutch have, in a good way, a reputation of being very direct, very dry, you know. We loved our experience and we loved our neighborhood and our neighbors. And I think we, yeah, made a little bit the effort of uh, understanding a little Dutch and speaking some Dutch. And you don't really need it because many people speak English. But just kind of um, throwing yourself into the, uh, the, the curiosity of speaking, it, it was super useful. Uh, and, and people are same thing. The Dutch, great people, a lot of laid back and social, regardless of the myths and reputation and stigmas that certain cultures have. Right? Agreed. Yeah. How can we better meet each other where the other people are at, or how can we better, again, make that even if it's just a very small attempt to learn Dutch or to learn a J J Japanese or French or whatever, because to me, all these small actions, Carlos, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. That's what brings the world together. It's that, mm -hmm. the, that ability to be authentic and truly kind of step outside of your, your own world to just be curious. Uh, Cause that takes, that takes courage, but we all have that. Yeah. How can we better do that? You've done it immensely well throughout the years. Well, I think it's a journey. First of all, you never, you're always learning and understanding that it's, that's the way. And there's something we didn't uh, touch on it. Your man, your man, Rafa is a big uh, example. It, to me, it's the biggest inspiration and role model of it is the humility, right? And being very humble. And wherever you go, just be humble enough that maybe you're not, your culture is not superior or certain things are better. Uh, just having the humbleness to just be always very down to earth and, and open and curious to, to learn things outside your, your regular education or development or environment. You know? Who is someone yeah. in your life who has exhibited that humility? Maybe it's been yeah. throughout the transition through Nike or obviously you say Rafa, who is someone you look up to in that respect? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, Rafa is, uh, is amazing, isn't it? And, and because of work and all that, I had the experience of actually meeting him a few times. And he's, he's that genuine, uh, seems like, right? And I remember one experience, uh, I didn't give you specific examples on the court, but one experience that I remember, it really touched me and inspired me. I, I had the opportunity to go to the, the 2008 Wimbledon final. Do you, do you remember about this, the, the one? That they played it never ending and they barely finished because of the light, uh, the five setter. I was there on, on, on the court with Nike and uh, invited by, by as part of the sponsor. And, and it was amazing. And then at the end, there was a, a meeting, uh, just like a gathering for very few people. And Rafa was going group by group, table by table, talking about the points like a little kid. Hey, you remember that point, Rafa? And then 
thanking everyone really. Hey, thanks for coming. I really appreciate you again. We were like, really? <laughs> thanks for coming. It was a, it was a gift to be here. Uh, but I think that's the way he, he, he was developed. He grew up. He was uh, always on, um, they kept him on, on his toes and down to earth and, and uh, just understanding that just because he's such an amazing, uh, gifted tennis player, he's not, he doesn't have to be a, a better person, right? And I think yeah. he, 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 he behaves like that. Always available, treats people the same, never overconfident and underestimating anyone. He's, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a role model. And then what he's done is crazy. You know, to win, what is it, uh, 12, uh, 13? I think it's 13. Yeah, 13 French Opens. That's inhuman. Unbelievable. Yeah. I have the greatest respect for people in my life, like you, Carlos, who have worked extremely hard and received opportunities to have a platform to touch lives, whether it's like Rafa, or even you with all of your experience globally, who don't attribute those kind of successes as themselves. And I think, like you said, it's easy to kind of get a big head and think you're better than someone else when you've achieved yeah. winning Roland Garros or getting to travel the world. And so I completely agree. I think to me that is yeah. the mark of, uh, the true mark of someone is when you've um, done something you're very proud of or achieved something, and you're, you're pumped about that, can you still find it in your heart to stay humble and recognize that you are still one man? You're not a yeah, God. Yeah. You are no better than anybody else. Yeah. So, and I think there's also, there's also a, a luck, luck component, right? We've been very lucky to be in certain moments and certain situations that have helped us to get certain opportunities and, and, and acknowledging that. Many people haven't had that that benefit uh, but you have to take advantage that's the other thing i remember that and now we talked about lsu the lsu coach which was we had a super competitive uh, aggressive guy who used to say luck is when hard work meets opportunity right and it's true i mean you have to have that opportunity then you have to take advantage but there we just have to acknowledge that many of us have been very privileged to have opportunities and, and luck and just uh, we've been lucky <laughs> you know so blessed so so understanding and that and acknowledging that and being grateful i think it, it keeps you keeps you grounded agree yeah. and throughout these 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 years of travel you've had some pretty cool experiences kind of like being at center court in 2008 rafa's just won in the fifth set nine seven you get to see Crazy, him yeah. Bring me into that moment or another moment from your, your time traveling globally that just blew your mind into something you'll never forget, kind of like that center court moment in 2008. Yeah, I'll probably go back to just the sports. Yeah, some experiences with sports. Um, I'm a big Barca football, soccer fan as well. So having lived some of the Champions League moments, uh, I think was experience one in London was very magic. And then, um, just traveling with, with my family. You know? uh, sometimes it's been very special. And those are memorable experience because time goes so fast. Uh, and with, with Carla, we, we tried to have at least one, one good trip, family trip uh, over the last years per year that we've, we've been able to have. This year is very strange. Um, we had a, a big trip to the Olympics, the five of us to <laughs> celebrate several things. And obviously we, we canceled that. But I look back and, and all the family trips that we've done internationally, those are things that we'll, be, we'll, we'll never forget, right? I'm glad you brought up kind of your family and kind of how that's been such an integral part of your life. Obviously, Simone and Bruno and Marcus and everybody. And just like Barcelona's kind of their, their slogan, their, their phrase, more than a club. I like to think of family in that way. It's, it's more than family. There's something mm -hmm. so special there. Can you talk about the importance of family kind of values uh, in your life and how that shaped your journey, Carlos? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're, you guys typify that very well in your case, right? And we feel very much the same. That I think that with Carla, we try to give the boys to lead by example and give them certain values. But then the hardest thing is 
to let go and let them choose their own paths. And because it's interesting, you, you give similar education and opportunities and values, but everyone is so different and has different passions. And, and um, it's not easy to find your own passion at, at early ages. And in our case, the three, the three boys are, are interestingly very different, but they've all been able, they've all been able to find kind of their own way. And we need to be super flexible and tolerant with that and just be there for them but making sure we don't overprotect them and support them, but let, allow them to just experience life with the ups and downs and fail and, and overcome adversity. That's, I think that's, that's the hard thing, but that's, um, that's the thing to try to try to do. But again, uh, as parents, you always want the best and you, you over worry and you want to give advice, but um, once you, you achieve certain age as grown-ups, you have to be able to, to let go. Yeah, family is everything, obviously. I could have not done any of the things that we discussed without, without the family and the family following you and supporting you and, and being there. Uh, it's the biggest, I think it's the most fulfilling accomplishment that I can, I can have, you know. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. The last couple of years, I've thought about the idea of family a little bit different than when I grew up. So growing up, my concept of family was okay, who am I blood related to? But my biological family, um, both my parents, my brother, aunts, uncles, cousins, obviously those are your, your, your primary family, your biological yeah. family. But over the last four years, really my first time kind of leaving that biological family nest. And that was mm -hmm. hard. That was painful. That was the transition moments are still challenging when I, when I uh, jump out, take, take that leap, so to speak. I started to view family more in the, in the sense of like a tribe, a community of people, no matter if mm -hmm. they're blood related or not, who have got your back and who support you and will do anything for you in a way that's shaping you into the best person you can possibly be. And mm -hmm. so whether that person is 99 years old, whether they're 10 years old, I started to look at my concept of family is my that community there's people in your life all over the world who have shaped you in a, an extremely real and authentic way and that's helped me begin saying okay these people have had an incredible role in my life how can i keep learning and growing from them yeah. every day what are your thoughts on that yeah no I, I i agree i think that's that's a gift that you should continue uh, looking after for sure because I mean, family to me is, yeah, you direct, direct family and, and became my parents, brothers and sisters and, and, and the boys and, and Carla, but it goes beyond that when it comes to your core extended group of real, real friends. That's an extended family, if you will, that I, I agree. But I think that the difference um, <clears throat> with um, that real, real friendship is not that easy to have, right? And, and, and you find that in, in certain situations. So. Uh, you can have a lot of a big network of social friends that you feel super comfortable and hanging out, but it's important to really have that tight, extended family that that they're really, really friends, regardless, right? And to, you can open up for anything, and and that we we're lucky that we we can say that, and we have uh, I mean some people that we really consider that, but I agree, family goes beyond the blood uh, ties. And it's super important, yeah. And this brings me into the idea, something I've noticed, especially since going to France about two years ago, when I think about other cultures or other countries, aside from the United States, the country I was born in, and okay, I would identify as being American. At least it would be cool to be French or Japanese, but I'm, I'm, I'm American. So I'll have to maybe just learn the language fully one day. But the, the, the concept of family, the concept of closeness, the concept of brotherhood, to me, it just seems a whole nother level up. A whole, like, the concept of community just seems to be so much more integrated and valued in so many other countries around the world, yeah. not just the U.S. And mm -hmm. I've thought about that. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why is, and I want to hear your thoughts, is because we're a very big country here in the United States, but there's such a focus on individuals. 
you deserve the best. There's, I mean, what is every advertisement saying? This is for you. It's you, you, you. And so it's, instead of referring to ourselves as a collective group, yeah. whether it's America, being white, being male, we tend to say, oh, this is just me in this world. We're so yeah. many other countries, which I just, I love more than anything. It's, it's, it's a group. It's a community. So I, I don't know if that's been your experience, but to me, that's, it's been so amazing to witness yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's great people everywhere, right? And, but it, it is true that because it's such a big country and you have, I think culturally, people move around so much. It's, it's harder to establish roots in certain places, right? In other places of the world, people not tend to move around so much and they, you know, they live in the same place for years and generations. And there's a lot of um, weekend gatherings and traditions that make that, that family or friendship more... Uh, established and i think yeah here you have also the additional component of individualism like you say i agree it's very competitive and there's a lot of pressure to succeed and, and sometimes success is valued or measured in, in with some people by uh, material things and tangibles right so to be able to um to step out of that and and like you say appreciate other things and make it less individualistic it's not easy but i agree and here it's such an amazing place that you can do that as well. So things like you're doing now, keep it going, <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> I don't really like the stereotypes always like, oh, Americans are like this, Spaniards are like this. I don't think that's fair. There's some trends and patterns, yes, but I think that you have people are people, uh, regardless of where you go. If you make the effort, you can go very deep, regardless of where you are. If you want to stay superficial, here you, yeah, absolutely. You would be very comfortable in the, in, in the, if you go towards the individualism, but you can be here in a very community embracing uh, environments as well. Yeah. When I, when I was in France, my classes were made up of, let's say 25 students, I think 14 countries represented those 25 yeah. students. It That's was magic, huh? Absolute magic because you look around and you're just, you're just, I was beyond humble, almost to the point of tears, mm -hmm. because I yeah. just, you, you see everyone from completely different backgrounds sitting together in harmony, in collaboration, in love. And it's just, it shows you that the, at the fundamental level, we're all the same. We all want to find mm -hmm. love, peace, fulfillment in this world. We all just want to provide for our, our, ourselves and our family. So mm -hmm. what if we looked at the world and, and all the problems that we have in that way that instead of us versus this country it's yeah. we're all doing it together it's huge it's really a great great initiative and it's like i said that you having the the courage and taking the initiative to do the these uh, conversations and i think it's fantastic at your age it, it means a lot and it's just gonna pay off because it's going to accelerate what many people are still struggling to find. And the journey that I told you, it's taking years to, to, to learn. You, you're going to be, a, you're going to be mastering it at a very early age. You to. live it. You already live it, uh, Patrick. That's the, that's the gift that you have. And you don't have it. You haven't had it easy either. I'm sure those years at Notre Dame, the pressure to succeed, the, you know, the expectations from outside must have been massive. Thank you. I always look at it. I, I view that I have the opportunity every single day on this earth to live my life in a way that can maybe inspire one person. And so mm -hmm. I've tried to almost take the mindset that when I can practice even like one value in my heart, like I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for someone else. Yeah. And so I think that it actually makes it a lot easier to live authentically when you're, when you think yeah. like, I'm not just yeah. living for me anymore. I'm living yeah. for like the people around me and, People. It's interesting though. There's one thing that it's true from at least on a business that you see that and they tell you to be able to to inspire people, you have to be a little selfish in a good way and look after yourself. And sometimes you don't, yeah, you know. And you, like, what are you doing for you? Do you have at least basic health habits that you you live by? Because otherwise you you forget, no. But um, looking after yourself is the very first thing. You know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 
I, you can't fully love other people and serve other people until you fully love and yeah. serve yourself. That was the biggest yeah. lesson I learned from year number one in Notre Dame because I was so focused yeah. on help other people do this. I was like, man, I'm not comfortable with myself. I still have so much insecurity and pain in here. If I don't yeah. address that, how can I fully yeah. do things for other people? Yeah. What's the biggest now having me talking and only you asking, which is I think that was the purpose, but what have you learned? What's the biggest learning that you've taken away in the four years, academics aside? Every semester, I was so blessed. I, I kind of have, have a list. I, I would write down probably two, two lessons a semester that I'm going to take for the rest of my life till I leave this earth, till I'm where I am or where we are after this earth that it, it, it just shaped my life. But if I were to say one from my time at Notre Dame, I'm going to say the power of vulnerability. Mm. And the lesson being, when you're vulnerable with yourself and other people, you're able to bring together the world in a way that you, you, you couldn't even imagine in your wildest dreams. And mm -hmm. the, reason, the way I say that, the reason I say that is when I finally tapped into like the courage of my heart to look at myself in the mirror in my dorm room, uh, fall of 2016, when I was really lonely and when I was really mm -hmm. broken and I just, I didn't know how I could live on this earth with my, like by myself. I call, mm -hmm. we call my dad and I say, dad, like, you're away from your family. Like, how are you feeling? Okay. Cause I'm just scared. I'm just, mm. I got all this fear and this doubt and this anxiety. Like, I don't know how I can do this. Mm. And Carlos, when I finally stopped and began to dig up that baggage that I was carrying, the insecurities, mm. the fear, the, uh, the fear of being judged by other people, the fear that I wasn't good enough, the fear that I wasn't, uh, that I, I had to, keep work, work, work all the time and couldn't relax. Mm. But I finally addressed that. And I said, okay, in my heart, like, what am I searching for more than this world right now? It's my family away from my family. There's people that I can be vulnerable with. So what I did was I just started to be, I just would call my dad and I called mm. my great aunt and I just was vulnerable with them. And yeah. right there, when I would open this conversation with, man, like I'm, I'm struggling in this way, or you know what, I'm going through this fear, this doubt. Yeah. They would remind me who I was. And there were so many moments that first year that I forgot who I was. I forgot yeah. that I was loved. I forgot that I was, who, I was Patrick Quinn. And then I had these values that because in, in a new and uncomfortable environment, sometimes you lose sight of yeah, yourself. Yeah. And you need those people in your life to say, this is who you are. Never forget yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. Carlos, when I finally kind of met, switch turned, and I was able to look in that mirror and say, like, it's not only okay to be vulnerable with other people, but that's what leads to the strongest friendships. Totally. Hey. No, no, I, I, I can relate to that. When I told you I, I was feeling that pressure at 14 uh, or even at work and, like, you, you, you have the fear and the, I'm not good enough. Am I going to be able to do this? You need to, you need to reach out and, 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 and search for help, but be super vulnerable and open up and admit your struggles if you don't because you think they're gonna think blah, blah, it's tough to to get through it the reason why i started this podcast was because what i would do for the last four years is especially starting freshman year i go into where i'd eat food the dining halls and i go up to random people sitting by themselves and say my name is patrick can i take a seat with you today i did that probably five or six times a week and initially it was because I wanted to make friends. I wanted to like meet people. But then it became, these were the conversations. I would end up having a two hour, three hour conversation with a completely, complete stranger, a different, could be a dining mm. hall worker. It could have been a professor. It could have been another student. But people in those moments felt that because they didn't know me, because I wasn't a friend, that they, they felt like they could be vulnerable and, and yeah. open up. And when that happened, the hundreds of conversations I had through that it just led me to realize that people want to be vulnerable. They want yeah. to open up. They want to say they're struggling. That's why yeah. I started this podcast to say. Keep, do, keep doing it. Keep doing this because it's, it's very unique. And I think, uh, like I said, I, I, I felt at work and everywhere that when you do that, it's so powerful. And actually, I really don't say this, but I always enjoyed 
mentoring and coaching young people and at work and somehow it became a natural thing. So I said, maybe I'll do this a little bit of a part-time job and I've certified as a professional um, coach, but not sports coach, like a in integral coach. I said, you can do executive coaching for leaders, leadership. And I'm doing that now on a part-time basis and, and I love it because you, it's about, first of all, you establish a, a very authentic relationship with a person that says super confidential, but you can, you can help with what you've gone through uh, other people, right? And we all have stories that can, other people can relate to. And I feel like when we're able to, each of us live a five-star movie, like of pain, brokenness, ups, downs. And I think yeah. it's when we get to share those stories like you're doing through this coaching yeah. that, that, that trust happens, that vulnerability happens. And when that happens, I think the world becomes a better place. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But the boys love you. The boys always, uh, Bruno, I told Bruno I was doing this with you. Patrick is such an amazing guy. He always, he's been sending me all these voice messages, like always positive. Hey man, Bruno, you're such a blah, blah, blah. And same thing with Simone. <laughs> they love it. I just like to have fun with people. I just yeah. like to, and if I, if I can, if I can send a little of my authentic self through voice, like yeah. a text, an email, I love those, but <clears throat> I yeah. can't communicate my full self. And so I like the voice yeah. memos to just bring some energy to people. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so thank you. Can I ask you one last question? Mm -hmm. I just wanted to finish the, the, the kind of finish our, our conversation today. A Rafa quote and just asking you to, to share a call to action for each of us. It's a quote I love. Enduring means accepting. Accepting things as they are and not as you would wish them to be. And then looking ahead, not behind. Carlos, in a world that is more divided than ever before, we have to keep looking forward and striving to make this world a better place, uh, a world filled with more hope, compassion, empathy, and integrity. What would be one concrete action that you would call each of us to take every day to make the world a better place? Wow, that's a big question, huh? Patrick, you make me think. Um, we got one more on question, this. last You're one. You're putting me on this spot. I think one basic one is treat others like you would like to be treated, as an example. If you do that every day, that's a good place to start, you know. I think smiling is not a bad thing. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> just smiling helps. I've heard so many people like this. Ah, because that person is just make it pleasant to be around with. It's not that hard. But I think that treating people with respect, assuming that's how you want to be treated, it's a good it's a good start yeah it's a good start. is that a rafa quote what did you take it from the book or Heard from the book it's from the book carlos you're awesome you're awesome say give give yes, everyone a big you. hug and tell carla we we think of her every time we watch an nba game we think she's the coolest mom ever because she loves uh, nba <laughs> great, great all right to see you. take care take yeah. care